This is Jamie Finn from Foster the Family, and this is The Real Mom Podcast. Hello there, friends. This is episode 19 of season two of The Real Mom Podcast, and this one is a treat. This is one of my favorite moms in the world, one of my, I want to be able to call her a mentor, (laughs) because anytime I'm with her, anytime I get to talk to her, I just pick her brain and ask her all the questions. She's the only mom that I've had on the show once already, second time on, and I'm so excited. As much as I tout this show as being, we don't talk to experts, we don't talk about topics. Today, I just said, Kristen Mary, you are an expert. (laughs) Can you answer these questions? And there are things that are going on in my life, in my family, and she just brought such wisdom and clarity to them. We had a great talk about investigations and reports. We talked about therapy and finding the right therapist for our kids and for ourselves. We talk about her new book, Honestly Adoption, which I am so excited about, and just have a great time as in real life friends talking together. So I know you're going to enjoy listening. I loved getting to connect with her. This is episode 19 of season two of The Real Mom Podcast. Hi, Kristen. How are you? Doing well. This is a fun one for me because I get to interview people all the time, but I can't say that I always get to interview people that I know are like the most trusted voices for me. And that is who you are for me. Well, thank you. I, this is also your, my first guest to be on a second time. Awesome. Another special here. Feel completely honored. (laughs) And I love your podcast. So I'm really excited. Thank you. Well, thank you. All right. I'm excited to have you. I'm pretty sure that everyone is going to know you and know your family, but just give me a quick, well, quick, as quick as eight kids can be. Give me a rundown of your family. Okay. So I'm married to Mike. And we have eight children, ages 33, all the way down to age 10. Uh, Our two oldest children are grown, and um, they have three children between them. So um, our grandchildren are now five, two, and a year and a half. Um, That's about it. Eight kids, three grandkids, a husband. You are not that much older than me, and your kids are basically my age. (laughs) That's what adoption does. That is exactly what it does. And it's um, always my oldest daughter in particular, it is one of her favorite things to do to people is just to stand next to me and say, right, right, right. anyway, this is my mom. And, and then the just walk away. Like, don't <laughs> even, no explanation whatsoever. She just, and she just kind of stands back and watches people try to figure it out. Right. So. Just let them squirm. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, and you are the authors of Confessions of an Adoptive Parent. And I love your book, Born Broken. I know I just got an early copy of your next solo book. But today we're going to talk a little bit about your book that you wrote with Mike, Honestly Adoption. And I got to go through this book. This is the book that I was looking for when I got into this. I mean, I remember going through every book and saying like this, none of this is real. Like none of this is real life. And 
wanting something practical that was going to tell me what it was actually going to be like, not just some overarching, like, silliness of the system. Right. I love that you get super practical and also really big picture. Like who, who were you thinking of when you wrote this? Well, we actually went to our readers. So, um, our publisher had the idea. And, um, so that was kind of a collaboration between the publisher saying, um, I'm a foster and adoptive parent and I wish I had a book like this. What do you guys think? And we said, wow, we wish we would have had a book like this too. Right, Let's right. think about it. Um, but then even in coming up with the questions, they came directly from our readers at confessions of an adoptive parent. Um, and so that was really good too, because it wasn't just what were the berries thinking might happen or what yeah, has yeah. happened in the berries house, but really our readers and interestingly, they came to us with the same questions we had, you know, and it's, it's that realization that there's a lot of universal, um, truths in foster care and adoption. Yeah. That's not surprising to me at all, because honestly, these are the questions that I get all the time. I mean, I'm sure you're the same people ask for very practical advice and I'm like, I don't have all the answers. And unfortunately I can't give an in-depth answer to every person's question. Yes. Yeah. That's the other thing too. You know, as our audience has grown, one of the things that we love is the the connection to our audience. I know you're the same way. It's the yeah. the vulnerability and the face to face, you know, kind of or computer to computer <laughs> contact, but that feeling like you have friends all over the place. Right, right that are in the same boat. Um, but it was a lot easier at first to just hop on email and answer people. Answer, be everyone's friend and answer everyone's questions. Yes. And right. all of a sudden we're finding ourselves, you know, somebody has asked a specific question about, you know, urinating down the registers or something like that. I, we get that one a lot. So <laughs> my child is urinating in the registers. I jumped way into the book right there. Um, you know, but someone will have asked that like a month ago. Right. And you think, gosh, if so many people are having the same situation, let's write it down in one place. So, um, and that's kind of how we came up with it. I'm excited about this because I often feel like I wish this is a great question. I wish I could give you an answer. And I feel like I'll be able to point people to your book now of like, you have the big questions. I mean, I think the first question is like, should I foster. <laughs> and I right. love that very overarching and then some really big heart things. Like I jotted down a few, like, will my child ever love me? Holy right. moly. That's heavy stuff. And that's a, a really important question, but it's not just those big questions. You have, you know, what if my child is violent towards my pet or how do I help my child through bedtime anxiety? I'm like, yes, these are the questions that that people really struggle through and that you need someone who's, who's been ahead of you to be able to speak into it. And you can't be everyone's best friend, but you can share what you've learned. And so I'm super excited about this. So I typically just kind of like, Hey, let's chat about your family and all of that. But with you being my go-to like, you're the person that I want to hear from about foster care and adoption things. I'm actually going to throw a few of the questions that I read in your book at you. And I just want to get, I mean, part of the answer is get the book, but (laughs) right. Obviously. (laughs) 
But I'm hoping that you can address some things that really have been on my mind because they've been in our life also um, that I would love to be able to hit a little bit. So one thing is um, you talk about different difficulties that you may face as a foster adoptive parent. And one is, let's take a deep breath. (laughs) One is reports from biological family and from caseworkers. And the reason I'm asking you this, this is something that I've wanted to address for a long time because this is the ultimate of like, oh my gosh, I'm alone in this. I've never heard someone talk about this before. This is devastating. And yet there, it's really hard to talk about. And even as a writer, I've been like, oh, this is something I feel like I need to address, but it's so hard to be articulate about it because it's so messy. <laughs> So we actually had, I looked out the window the other day and I saw a car and I saw someone come out with a clipboard Mm -hmm. and come to the door and I didn't recognize her. And I felt like I was going to pass out. My throat was in like knots. Right. And I felt, and I was just like, oh my gosh, we're getting investigated again. This is, and it it was nothing. She was just filling in for someone, but that feeling, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, the, not to be dramatic, but the PTSD yes. kind of like, this is traumatic and it, it, it carries with us. So anyway. Yes, it does. Yes. <laughs> like everywhere. Yeah. So, so uh, I'm, I know you've yeah. experienced this. Yes. Let's prepare people who have not gone through this and let's speak to people who are, or have gone through it before. So I, you know, I think the the specific question in the book, or the specific example that we gave in the book, was um, when a report is filed from a biological family member. Yeah. And the reason we were so specific there is that I think a lot of reports come yeah. that way, and it is a unique and delicate situation. Um, if you're a foster family, you will get reported. If you're a foster family, you will get investigated. They told us that in our training. Yeah, me too. And. I yeah. did not believe them. <laughs> no, I thought, we'll, well, we'll probably be fine. You know, right. and, and really you, you will, you will have a neighbor file a report. You will have, you know, a teacher file a report, but you know, one of our reports came, a few have come <laughs> from biological family. And for me, that was a really heart-wrenching thing. Mm. I was staying up all night with these kids. Yeah. Um, in this particular situation, the child had high medical special needs. So I'm not sleeping. I'm feeding through a G-tube, like very, very, very tired. And the kids are, you know, clean and bathed. And I purchased all of their brand new clothes out of my own money, you know, and you're like, I am doing this all and I'm doing it for your kid. Yes. Right. And then I felt like, And this one, the example that I used was over a poopy diaper. And part of the reason I used that one specifically is, I mean, these kind of things happen. They come up. I'm filing a report because the baby showed up at a visit with a poopy diaper. You know, and I'm like, well, I drove 45 minutes to your (laughs) visit at a visitation center that doesn't even have a changing table. And I climbed (laughs) the stairs and I handed you your baby and you have a diaper bag. You changed the baby. You know, I just, at first I thought, how dare you? Yeah, yeah. 
throw something like this at me. I would never just leave a baby in a poopy diaper. Also, all moms are sometimes in the car with a baby who poops. That's why we have diapers and diaper bags. <laughs> you don't just change it. Um, but all of it seems so ridiculous and upsetting. Um, and so the reason that I use that specific example in the book was just because I needed to check my perspective on yeah. that. And it really changed how I approached the situation because I wanted to walk in and say, let me tell you one more thing about, right, right. you know, how awesome I am and how rude I think you are right now. Um, but then I took a step back from it and realized, um, I have their kids and they don't even know where their kids are at this point. They're just with some random stranger somewhere. Um, every time they get to see them, they're being supervised by a social worker who sits in a plastic chair and watches them. Yeah, yeah. Um, the visitation center here, you know, things change and culture changes in foster care and adoption all the time. Um, but at the time, the visitation center was some throwback 60s building in the car. Oh, yeah. Ours is awful. And it was just disgusting. Yeah. And really, when I stopped and thought, what would it be like? Exactly. To see me trucking up the stairs with your two kids. And um, I did have to purchase them new clothes. That's another story entirely. But how would it feel if my children showed up in brand new clothes with this mm -hmm. lady, you know, we've never met before and all of that. And suddenly she's the expert on my child. Um, that would just be incredibly intimidating. And yeah, so, right. So you want to hold on to any small absolutely. thing that you can find fault in. Oh my gosh. Right. If I were in trouble, I would be grasping too. Exactly. Well, she's not a better mom than me. She exactly. didn't even get a diaper changed. I mean, you know, sometimes those allegations are much, much, much worse. They could be about anything. Um, but specifically when we're dealing with biological family, um, I think it's really important that we take a step back and remember where biological family is coming from and just view that through our lens of compassion and empathy. Yeah. Um, which I feel like is the answer. Anytime you're asking anything about biological family, we could be asking any question. The answer is going to be compassion and empathy. It's going to put yourself in their shoes. How in the world would you feel? And then that is the answer. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I mean, just without a doubt, I, I think that that is one of the biggest misconceptions in foster care and adoption that there are good guys and bad guys or, mm. or you know rescuers and victims and for sure um, right you know, we're all people we are just all people making mistakes and doing things well and making more mistakes and um and really the way we resolved that specific issue was um just to address it head on um and then to start to think about how would we want to be treated if we were in their shoes. And so we put ourselves then in the posture of humility. Um, so good. You know, being willing to be taught. So yeah. instead of marching into the visit and saying, I'm the foster mom, I'm the expert. I know everything. Right. Your kids had lice. I had to get rid of, you know, right, it, it, right. there were bed bugs. I've now had to throw all the clothes away. Like, don't walk in like that. Walk in and say something like, Hey, I wanted to let you know, you know, this amazing thing. Wow. She's so beautiful. She looks just like you. She mm -hmm. has your smile or ask, um, 
you know, I'm doing my grocery shopping this week. Are there any favorite foods that she For has sure. that you'd like to tell me about? Um, when I'm putting her to bed at night, I know she loves that blanket you sent. Is there anything else special that you do? It won't hurt you to get into this, um, this place of humility. And in that specific situation, I'm going to get choked up. And that was not at all. This story Do isn't it. even in this book. It's actually in this book, which oh, you can read. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> um, this specific story in that family, they became friends for mm. us, um, to us, not us giving them charity, but they are genuinely our friends. Oh today. my gosh. Um, I really am going to get like, anyway. Um, all, and all, literally all it took was coming into that visit. And I didn't yell at them about the report, nothing. I mean, I just, I let it go. I talked to the caseworker. I cried a little bit. I went out with my friends and I'm like, they think I'm a bad mom. You know, my friends were like, you're not. Kids get poopy diapers. Everything's fine. But um, in not like harping on that one situation, just viewing the best in another person, um, it gave them the opportunity to view me in the best light also. And we really became partners. Um, they have come over and gone trick or treating with us. They've been out to our house. That um, is amazing. Yeah. I mean, we had a talk about like a happy time. ending to the lesson. Oh my gosh. It's this, this guy comes out to fix our plumbing and sees a picture of this child on our wall. And he says, I don't know if this is awkward, but is that, and you know, names the child's name. Yeah. And I said, yes. And yeah. Oh, well that's my cousin's kid. And so, you know, just kind of full circle, just treating one another with respect meant yeah. that, you know, that also had this ripple effect too, of having this random plumber come in our house and say, I've heard about you. Oh my I heard gosh. about you. So, um, you know, without even putting two and two together, just saw the picture and said, you know, I know that's my cousin's baby and I heard about you guys. Yeah. So, um, wow. I love that. Yeah. Just, and I, that is something that I've, it was, it was hard for me to learn because I do think it's easy to start off with that perspective of like, you lost your kid. There's a reason kind of this, like, how dare you try to teach me? But there is a reality that, that God placed that child in that family, meaning mm -hmm. that there is this sort of like authority and responsibility and all that, that they own, that we can put ourselves there and try to learn from teach me. Absolutely. And I don't know why. Well, I do know why, but I think it's so hard for us to do. I, I do. And I think, you know, we, we view things through our own perspective and we always think we're right. I think yeah. that's human nature. So yeah. my culture is right. My way of doing things is right. You had put something up on your Instagram, I think a couple of years ago, or maybe on your blog, um, about having the baby and putting the onesie on underneath yeah, the yeah, yeah. outfit. Yeah. But um, that really resonated with me because my culture is not the only right culture. Exactly. I have a way of dressing my babies. I have a way of bathing. I have a way of parenting. I have a way of putting kids to bed and feeding them. And, um, and that's my culture. There are certain things that I do and say um, that are a part of how I was raised. But there are other 
uh, all other cultures. You know, there's just this vast array of amazing cultures and, right. and all valuable and yes. not a right or wrong. And right. Right. And so there are some things, you know, can a child be in my home and be safe right now and have enough food? You know, all children deserve to have enough nutritious food and a safe place to sleep and free from violence. But um, does a child have to dress the way that the berries dress? By the way, you do not want to dress the way that the <laughs> Not even me, like yeah. not even the parents. We can't color coordinate. It's terrible. You do not want to dress like us. That's great. But, you know, do it is the way that I dress yeah. so important, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. or my bedtime routine, you know, or whatever. And no, it's just not, you know, yeah. there's all these other cultures. Yeah, and there's definitely an element of swallowing it and like, okay, this is what you just asked me to do. So I am going to put a onesie on in 90 degree weather under a sleeveless dress, because as your mom, that as this child's mom, that's a part of how you would do this. And what a simple thing for me to do. I went and spent $6 on onesies and now she feels like her daughter is appropriately dressed and I am no worse for the wear. If anything, I learned a lesson on not being ethnocentric and yeah. uh, Yeah. So I actually had a similar, I had an investigation once. Um, what was a report? It didn't go into like the whole thing, but for a similar thing, I went to target, bought baby food, sent the baby food within the week and it was expired. And so my, I literally, I am so nice to, to workers. My first thing I said, well then tell her to bring her own baby food. I bought this with my money, (laughs) bring your own food. That was my first thing. My second thing was to mom. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I would never want to feed your child expired food. That's horrible. Right. Of course you were upset. I apologize. I'm going to make sure that that never happens again. And right. I think like, that's where like being slow to speak, just stop, reorient. Yes. What would it be like? And how can I just come from a place of humility? Hey friends, I'm hoping you can do me two favors. Here's what I'm asking of you. Pause this episode, go into your podcast app, and hit that subscribe button. What that will do is drop every new episode right into your app, right into your phone. You won't have to go looking for us. You won't wonder when there's a new episode. It'll be right there. The other is to just scroll down a little bit to those stars and rate and review this show. This is not about my ego, though I love your encouragement. This is about other people finding this show. The higher the reviews, the higher the ratings, the higher the subscribers, the more people can find us. And that's what this is about, encouraging foster and adoptive and biological moms on this journey. And as always, don't forget that you can find all the details from this episode at www.realmompodcast.com. I think that maybe this one is an easier one to get around because we talk a lot about having compassion on bio parents and all of that. So we can get there. My most recent investigation was from a caseworker and that one now just like a little caveat. So people don't think that it was legit. She had never been in my home. This was not an actual concern for safety. This was a very personal kind of thing. And the longer you're in this, the more there are actual people that you have actual relationships with. And, you know, I have um, a nonprofit here. And so there's political kind of things and all of that. Yeah. 
I can get to a place of having compassion. I've had two from parents. I can get to a place of compassion for there. You give me a pep talk now (laughs) about how we deal with this when it comes from workers. Yeah. Um, I actually had to go into court and bring my book and bring copies of my book and my, my first book born broken. I had to go into court, bring copies of my book and um, the statement of what I had made on the book to a judge and it held up court for an hour. They excused um, everybody involved with um, DCS. Um, my, this is getting way too off topic. My son has a mental illness and yeah. so he's a chin six case. So he's actually not, we just dismissed. Um, but chin six is a child in need of services due to mental illness. Yeah. And so there was a report by the guardian ad litem that, um, they thought I was profiting off my son, which every parent that does a job does the job and spends all their money on their kids anyway. But I mean, at this point, the book had been published. Um, None of my children's names are in the book. I mean, not, we don't profit off our kids. Um, We do teach about parenting. You do Um, serve foster and adoptive parents. Right. So, you know, we, we talk a lot about what we've learned, but we talk about our mistakes and how to do better. All of that to say, now this whole big mess has happened and we've come into court and we have our book and we've handed it to the judge, you know, and now we're sitting in the courtroom waiting. You know, I think they read the whole book like in the back (laughs) and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Like, that's just not the kind of person we are because we have a public platform where we teach about parenting does not mean that we want to humiliate or use our children in any way. And any money that we make ever goes toward our children because that's what parents do. Right. Um, And the judge, you know, just dismissed that concern and said, I don't want to talk about that again, but it feels so ugly and personal and awful because I, I think it gets at you know, at the core of, I think what our fears are, you know, I, for me, I think anytime there's been an investigation or a report, I'm thinking, am I really a bad mom? Yeah. Like yeah. is everything I'm doing wrong? Maybe it isn't safe here. Maybe, you know, I, it just causes all of these emotions to come up. Like what's going to happen and what if we're in trouble? And I, I don't even know just the terror of it's, I mean, it's as for me, what I thought is, Okay, what is, as a parent, the worst thing that could happen to you? It would be to lose your children. Absolutely. So then what is the most personal (laughs) evil thing that someone could do to you? It would be to put you in a position where you could lose your children. So it's just like the deepest wound that someone could bring on you if they bring it. Absolutely. Now, you have to believe, because I have to believe this or else I go crazy, that that the interest is in best interest is for the children and all that kind of stuff. I mean, one thing that's definitely at play is our homes have a certain amount of like trauma and things are hard in our homes and our kids struggle. And so that is like always going to be at play when we're looking at like the different dynamics in our house. There have to be times that you looked at your home as I have mine and thought, wow, this doesn't look like the picture of a safe, happy, nurturing home. 
Yes. So because some of those have in our home. <laughs> right. So, you know, what, what do you do when the report is made by somebody who maybe does have a legitimate concern, Yeah. maybe does not like us. Um, yeah, exactly. And certainly we're in a different, uh, of, although I think some of those things could have happened even before we started writing and blogging and, and public speaking, um, you know, you're just not gonna, not everybody's gonna like you. And, um, so definitely I had a caseworker report over something very silly. Um, I had a very light skinned child who had a tag on the back of his onesie that was rubbing on his neck. And she literally filed a report because he had like some kind of skin irritation that I wasn't taking care of. And, um, I mean, that's like in a document in my file, I'm like, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I'm a lighter skinned person with less melanin myself. And you know, sometimes things just rub on your skin, you know, so there's the, how do you handle, um, you know, the very real fear of potentially losing my kids yeah. or something like this. Um, and also the really hurt feelings I've come into being a foster and adoptive parent because I wanted to do what's right. Exactly. Now I have a professional saying you're not doing what's right. Or exactly. You are, are not a good person. Um, you know, and to some extent, uh, you know, one is viewing people in the best light possible. It is harder because I do have less compassion, um, when it's come to professionals filing reports, um, view people in the best light possible, try to give them the benefit of the doubt. But then secondly, if, and even before you face an investigation, you need to document everything. Yeah. So you should be documenting everything that happens. And so if you are, you know, raising multiple children with high levels of trauma, for instance, and you have a child who is, you know, exploding, blowing up, maybe throwing things in front of another child. Um, and, and you know that that's causing trauma for another child. You need to be documenting that information. Yeah. And I love email because it's a paper trail that no one can deny and that you're not just documenting. It's automatically being transferred to you right away. You know that they got it. Yeah. Um, And we try not to be a pest. You know, again, we try to view people in the best light, but a quick email is, is a really easy way to just say, heads up, you know, little Johnny's learning to ride his bike right now. He fell off today. He's got some scraped knees, but good news. Yeah. You know, we took the training wheels off, you know, right, some right. of it just keeping them informed on what's happening and then being able to go back and say, remember, I let you know that he fell off his bike. Exactly. You know, right. or we did see the occupational therapist that day, or we did, you know, and I think that's another piece to facing those um, investigations or reports is having people in your home who really know and understand what our kids are going through. Um, what, trauma does. And, um, you know, we have a post-adoption worker that has been coming in our home for eight years. She's just you know, awesome. She just teaches me new things and listens and gives me good ideas optional? in my home. So in, um, in Indiana or in Indianapolis, actually, uh, they're actually all over Indiana. Um, it's the children's bureau. It's a not-for-profit. It's, it's a government funded, I think. Well, anyway, I'm going down a rabbit hole. But it's optional. So, yeah. So you call and you ask for post-adoption services Mm. and it is totally free, not based on your income. But she is another layer for us to some of the 
crazy stuff that just happens. She'll go to an IEP meeting with me. um, But then if there ever were to be a legitimate concern about our family, this is a person who's been in my house once a week. For yeah, that's, years. that's, you know, invaluable. she can say, right. Boy, I've shown up at any time. And right. I've never always, seen any of that. It's always clean. Right. You know, she's handled the kids consistently with patients for eight years, every time, yeah. you know, so it's just, <laughs> this can't be a fluke. <laughs> right. That, you know, but so it's getting some of those people in your home that have your back too. That's really so, good. That's good. And I yeah. think you maybe wanted at some point to talk about therapy um, and I mean, that is my other big question. Again, yeah. I'm doing this as like, um, Kristen Berry coaching session for me <laughs> so, and stuff we're going through. So but I think that's another family, layer. Yeah. We're you know? about to jump into this, into therapy. Yeah. Um, like all of us. So yeah. one of the questions you have in your book is how can we find the right therapist? That is such a good question. <laughs> yeah. And like, we are just, I mean, I'm going to therapy for the first time in my life on Friday. So this is legitimately like something that, that we are kind of new to. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts for the kids, for adoption as the caretaker. Yep. I I would say first and foremost, I just started going to, um, after hauling my kids around to therapists forever. Um, and I had a therapist say, are you seeing someone, you know? And I'm like, well, no, like I didn't experience. Right. I'm okay. I'm fine. You know? And she's like, yeah, you're not. (laughs) She said it in a nice way. (laughs) So she's like, you're experiencing this alongside of your kids. You need to talk to someone. So that's been a good thing. That's been this past year. And, um, it's been incredibly helpful to have somebody to talk to. I would say number one, you need to remember that you're hiring this person and not everybody is the right therapist for you or your child. Um, so you may, you may get into a therapist who is trauma informed, you know, understands foster care and adoption. Everything is going to be great on paper and it's not the right fit. Yeah. Um, or maybe it's the right fit for one kid and your other child just says, I'm not going back there. I can't do it. I don't like it. Office smells weird. You know, you, you never know, but listen to your child, listen to yourself because you are hiring this person. Um, and it is their profession. So if you were hiring someone, I don't know, to mow your lawn and you know, you just didn't like it. They didn't right. do a good job. Right. Right. You hire a different person, you know, and, um, yeah. And it's so personal. Advice. Yes. Um, I would say interview. Um, you need to, you need to have an idea of what you want. And I would say even before you get to the interview, ask around because people that you know are going to say, Oh my gosh, I go see so-and-so or my yeah. kids see so-and-so, and this is why I like them. And as you begin to ask people, you're going to think of your children or yourself and you're going to say, I could envision us in this space. Um, then interview, you are interviewing them for a job. So um, are you trauma informed? What is your experience with foster care or adoption? Whatever your specific questions are, you know, so if, if you're going in because you have a child who's setting fires or has sexually maladaptive behavior, um, those are specific areas of expertise. And you want to know that they're prepared. Um, if they go in, you know, to deal with a child who's sexually acting out and they, 
intentionally or unintentionally are shame based, you've you've really wasted time, done more yeah. damage. And yeah, there are yeah. specific therapies for specific um, things that kids are dealing with, or even yeah. adults. So, so interview with, and ask with your kids. Did you um, did you do therapy sort of? proactively, meaning like, we know that you're going to need this, that we're going to do it or like, okay, we see these issues. And so now we want to address them. Um, we have done all reactively up until about, um, six months or a year ago. And we kind of had the kids that were struggling the most in therapy. And you know, you have a bigger family too. Like we're driving 20 million places. Yeah, Yeah we can't go to therapy just cause maybe you're going to struggle someday, right. <laughs> but really after kind of just taking a breath and looking around at, at the landscape of our family, we realized um, there are other things that our kids are going to struggle with, whether they have brought that point up now or not. Um, we need to be more proactive. We also, because we do have adult children and we have, um, nearly adult children. So our teenagers are 18, 17, and 16 right now. There's kind of this realization that they're almost gone and that, um, you know, we're not going to be able to go pick them up at college and say, you are going to therapy, whether you like it or not, or, you know, join this support group or whatever. Um, We can encourage them at that point, but we have no power over it. Um, I think there was also, after talking with our adult children, this realization that um, to the best of our ability, if we can support them and get them into this community of care yeah. ahead of time, then our kids are going to know where to go. So if our 17-year-old um, graduates next year and something else comes up later, you know, maybe she's saying to me, mom, this is silly. You know, I like, I don't know this, but whatever. It's fine. Right. Um, when she begins to deal with some of the things that we know will come up for her, um, she can then go back and say, I remember I went once, I know who to call, I know how to ask, and it's not embarrassing or so, you know, I didn't go to a therapist until last year because I had never been to one. Exactly. Right. I didn't know anything about it. I'd taken my kids to like play therapy. I didn't know what adults did. So I want my kids to have the experience of knowing, um, how to find a trusted therapist. We're really big on, um, you know, our kids are becoming adults. We're raising adults. So start practicing these things proactively. Yeah. So here's a place where you can learn. Here's, you know, literature. Yeah. Here's an adult adoptee you can talk to. It's okay. You don't have to. I just want you to know, like, everything is out there when you're right. ready for it. Right. That's so good. So speaking to someone who has young children, what advice do you have for someone? Because I think one of the concerns that I had is I don't want to make this a thing. You know, I don't Mm want to do proactive therapy because Mm -hmm. all this stuff is sort of there and dormant and it rears its ugly head, but then it goes away and I can pretend that it's away. Mm -hmm. Like, how did you think through that with younger kids also? Because what you're saying about older kids totally resonates with me. Yeah. I'm just 10 years away from that. Yeah. I I think... One thing that we have noticed is that um, those, the things, the questions, the insecurities, so if we're talking specifically about um, kids who've experienced trauma, whether they're 
biological kids or yeah, yeah. You know, our children who've come through adoption, our families have experienced trauma. So we know they've experienced trauma. Yeah, absolutely. It right. is there. Exactly. It has changed their perspective on the world. And um, bringing it to the surface is not a bad thing. Yeah. And sometimes it's a, a very hard thing. Um, I just recently sat in a counseling session with one of my kids and you know, if you had just been a fly on the wall, you would think this was completely ineffective. Mm. You know, the child was like, no, no, no. Yeah. Because everything's stupid. <laughs> you know I mean? Like everything that came out of this child's mouth. I'm like, well, I'm glad we spent an hour here today. Why are we doing this again? <laughs> right. But when you find that really good therapist yeah. that knows where your kid is coming from and can steer toward healing, um, she was able to plant all these little seeds throughout the whole thing. She just kept using this calm language with him. Oh, wow. You know, what does boring mean to you when you say it's, it's so boring? Yeah. Interesting. You know, but she kept kind of pushing in this delicate way until the child said, you know, because everybody hates me because mm. everybody thinks I'm stupid. So it mm. wasn't that everything is boring. Right. It was I'm feeling worried and, and bad about myself. I say all of that to say, it felt like, why did we dig it up? We were having a really good day. And then we had waited for this appointment. We got there and I'm thinking, I just kind of don't want to go. Let's just go to the park. Yeah. The peacefulness that came out of that appointment was so worth it. So she was able to kind of touch on those things and plant those seeds. And then what we noticed over the next week was that he was rephrasing her language. He was wow. using the things she had said. So he seemed like this was very, you know, disturbing and, and destructive and not fun at all. But really what my child got out of it was, you know, I can take steps toward healing. I am a good person. I'm, in fact, I'm a great person, you know, so just, it was worth kind of, I don't even know what I'm trying like, to like poking the bear. Yeah, I, mean, it was I was just worth... going to say poking the bear. And that's, yeah. yeah, that's how I feel like, okay, all this stuff isn't like a day to day coming up all the time. So sh are we like bringing to life this thing that just is asleep? Are we poking at it? Yeah, but, it's going to come up eventually. So let's exactly. do it with a person who understands it Yeah, because it's not me. You know, I can copy what I learn in therapy with my kids, but I don't know until I know. And so I love to be able to sit alongside of someone who's done this for years and yeah. I watch what she does and I'm like, okay. I'm going to answer differently next time. I'm going to so ask good. a different question. So Right. Oh, that's so good. You've really built my faith for it. And I think it's an important conversation, especially a lot of the people who listen are Christians. And mm -hmm. even just the shift in sort of thinking that it doesn't all have to be um, like, it's not all sin. It's mm -hmm. not all like should be going through the church and pastoral mm -hmm. care that like our kids getting the help they need and us getting help also that there right. are things at play here. I mean, I love what you said about it's not just the kids who have come into our home. Yeah. We have biological children and my husband and myself who are traumatized. Absolutely. <laughs> trauma that's come into our home. And so there's a different kind of, of reframing in, in getting help. And so I just really appreciate your perspective because 
it's it's a whole shift for me and there's definitely yeah. a lot of things that that I feel nervous about so yes well I'm I'm proud of you for going thank you <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes after Friday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So we went through literally two of the 101 questions that are in this book. And I think yeah. that's what's great about it. These questions that come up, big ones, small ones, they're in this book. You guys have eight forever children. You fought, How many of you fostered? What's your count? I'm 23. Yeah. Oh, we're 23. That's our count. Yeah. So you have so much experience over so many years. And so I love just the way that you share it in this book. And I think it's going to really practically help people and then also really just help with thinking and perspective and all of that. So this is a super long episode for us, but I don't want to miss out (laughs) on one of my favorite parts, which is just talking about you and hearing what you're doing, eating, reading, watching, and listening to. So what are you okay. doing? What am I doing? I am working and managing the summer. Just it, managing. It is a full-time job when all your kids are home. The, yes. I mean, the summer is just such a dramatic shift yeah. from your normal life, I'm sure. Yeah. That's pretty much it. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not loving it. I, I love having my kids home. Yeah. But um, yeah, just trying to get work done and trying to be fully present everywhere all the time, which by the way, <laughs> I'm not good at. Yes, so. me neither. <laughs> all right. What are you eating? Not gluten. Oh, so, rough. very sad. I gave it up in November and my favorite food in the world is donuts. So it's just kind of depressing. And you've like, been solid for seven months. Yeah. That's amazing. I have messed up twice. Okay. And I'm talking by accident and it was terrible and I will not, I read it. So it's worth it. So it's not fun, but it's the right answer for you. Yeah. Yeah. So like nothing. I mean, yeah, just kidding. There's lots of stuff that doesn't happen. I know. (laughs) All right. What are you reading? I'm reading Kristen Hanna's book, um, The Great Alone. I don't know that. Tell me. It's a story about a family that moves to Alaska and the father has post-traumatic stress disorder from being in the Vietnam War. And that is as far as I am. Okay. I love her writing. I just, she's so descriptive and she always gets my attention. It's just a novel, you know, it's like fun reading, but every time I read one of her books, I'm like totally dialed into it. So that's what I'm reading. Cool. What are you watching? Handmaid's Tale. Mm. You know what? I don't know why we, we watched like the first two episodes and then we kind of something more pressing must've come on. I don't remember that, but yeah, that is a good one. And I loved that book. You know, I read that book years ago. So my husband's Mm -hmm. like, Oh, there's this new show. I'm like, Oh my gosh, Margaret Atwood. Oh, it's so dramatic. Yeah. All right. What are you listening to? I'm listening to an audio book, Max Lucado's book, anxious for nothing. I'm a high anxiety person. So it's like you wrote it just for me. (laughs) He's like so readable too. Yeah. And listenable, I'm sure. Yep. I'm enjoying it. So I'm an audiobook person. I'm not a music person. So always listening to audiobooks or podcasts. Cool. All right. Well, your book, Honestly, Adoption comes out August 6th and I will link to it. And of course, I'm going to tell everyone all the time to read it. And when people give me questions that I don't have the answer to or don't have the time to answer, I'm going to be like, 
just go get their book. There's the easy Perfect. answer. <laughs> that sounds great. Kristen, I love any time I get to talk to you, um, but it's also just a privilege to be able to share you with other people. So thank you so much just for sharing all your experience and wisdom and diving into these two things that have been heavy on me recently and just helping me. So thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Real Mom Podcast. You can find us online, www.realmompodcast.com or on iTunes and subscribe. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash realmompodcast or Instagram at realmompodcast. Thanks so much for listening.